Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year, we all congregate the mouth all gathered at the church of Hilgate. The scriptures reading from the book of Monson. Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman. Drunk and obnoxious, what children face. Ain't nothing finer in the land. Now the 3,000 of our best friends. It's Saturday and that thing. Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast, where a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley. And in our second installment of our Georgia fan series, we are fired up today to be joined by one of our favorites, our good buddy and UGA Spike Squad member, Hunter Street. Hunter, what's up, brother? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm pumped you're here today because I think you have an awesome story. And I want to start with you because you tweeted something. I can't remember if it was this week or last week, but it was a tweet from maybe back in 2018. And it said, goals, transfer to UGA, become a member of the UGA Spike Squad. And you just manifested those things right into existence, didn't you, man? Apparently I did. Back in, uh, I was doing some Twitter Twitter searching on some old tweets and found uh, found one that's from the Tennessee game in 2018, and I was like, "This can't be real." And I, I ended up transferring to UGA because I was I was at community college back home in 2018, a year out of high school, and I transferred to UGA and I joined the Spice Squad my second year here this past year, and here we are. Yeah, I just I love that man. And so so I'm interested to hear. I mean, Boss and I know a little bit of your story, but. Tell us, I guess, about your Georgia origin story from a fan's perspective, from having a passion for the University of Georgia. It, is it a family thing? Is it something you came to on your own? Tell, tell us that story. So, growing up, I was always a Georgia fan. My dad was from Georgia. He didn't go to UGA, but he was a big Georgia fan growing up, and so the family lineage was passed down, and I just became a Georgia fan from a young age. I still have my first jersey an old number three DJ Shockley jersey. Um, as the years went on, I just – it was sports was big in my house on both my mom and my dad's side. So instilling that passion was something they both gave to me. And so, you know, growing up, it was always about the dogs. Every Saturday, we'd sit in front of the TV from college game day at 9 a.m. all the way to the last game. And I was always a big dog fan. And so luckily enough – I ended up – I didn't get in here out of high school, but I got to transfer here, and I was lucky enough to come here. And I'm here right now, and I'm living the dream, going to all the sporting events and pulling for the dogs. So now you said this past year was your second year in Athens. So that, that makes – your first year in Athens was, was the COVID year, right? 
Yeah, so I transferred in fall of 2020, and I actually, when I found out I was accepted, COVID was just, like, starting to really kick up. It was the end of March. Like, most things were kind of being shut down, and there was always a wonder, oh, is this going to blow over in a couple months? How long is this going to be? I had no idea. I don't think anyone had an idea. And so that summer went by, and I transferred in, and the university looked a whole lot different than it does this year. Class classes were you know a day b day or all on zoom and you know i was wondering like what's going to happen like lucky enough i got a ticket to one game all the students were awarded one ticket so i got to go to that auburn game in 2020 um when stetson came back after um starting for arkansas starting the arkansas game and you know went through the covid year with fought winter sports spring sports and then now it's kicked back up to what I imagine it was like before COVID. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. We went to Athens in June for the top golf event and my brother and I had been there before for G day and G day felt, I guess, renewed in a lot of ways because it seemed like the first time some folks had been back in town, but even that was sparsely populated compared to what we had been used to. Right. Mm-hmm. So to come back this fall and we went to the South Carolina game was the first game we went to in Athens this year. And it was incredible. Like to your point, it, it was, it was what you envision when you, when you think about your trips to Athens and all those type things. So it was, it was a beautiful thing. Well, I want to hear about what is the, the process like? So you're, you're in Athens, you're, you're taking classes at UGA and you go, okay, I want to be a part of the spike squad. If I am a current student there, or if I'm a high schooler that wants to become a member of the Spike Squad, what does that look like? How do I initiate that process? What is the selection process like? All those things. So for me, it was pretty simple. I saw an Instagram post from the Spike Squad account talking about recruitment, getting people to come join. So I reached out to them and said, hey, can I get some more information? They sent me the information. We set up a, uh, they had their interview process. You went in with current Spike Squad members, you go through the interview process and you get a call back and you're either on or you're not. And so that's pretty how simple it is. This year, we're implementing a couple other different things. We have a recruitment Instagram page. We have put out some QR codes at the Bolton Crosswalk. Um, We're trying to push it more through like partnering with other UGA pages and stuff, just trying to get the word out there because no, we've had a big year this past year, and we know we're going to have a lot of people, but we, we want every Georgia student have the opportunity to come join the Spike Squad. We don't care who you are or where you come from. If you cheer on the dogs loud as we do, we want you on the squad. All right, I, I have to know this because I've always wondered, when you become a member of the Spike Squad, is your set of spikes kind of like becoming a Jedi? Like you have to make it yourself after you know the ways of the, of the spike squad or like, how does all that work? So we actually have an equipment manager who does all the painting, who does the spray painting of the pads, drills the pads to put the spikes in, does all the, you know, hard labor for it. And then during our first little meeting, we have like a little get together type meeting all the old members and newbies coming in to meet everyone you get your pads and we did a little thing where, you know, they blindfolded us, they walked us up the stairs and then here's your pads. And it's, it was a great, you know, seeing the look on everyone's faces and, you know, like when I take the blindfold off and got to see these pads, I'm like, 
wow, this is real. Like these are going to be my set of pads. And so I got the set of pads and that's how it goes. I actually helped um, our current equipment manager make some pads the other day. We passed along to someone special. Oh, that's really cool. I love that. I love rituals like that too. Cause I just think that's, that's a neat part of the experience. So going into this being your first year on the spike squad, first off, I mean, could you have played that any better, brother? <laughs> what a year to be a part of it, right? Oh, it, it, this year, I, I I don't think I could imagine a better year for Georgia sports. Like going in, you know, there was the high expectations as always, but there were some questions around it. But, you know, we knew we were top five, top two team, whatever. But I had no doubt, like we had a chance. And so going in, you know, some some people worried about quarterback play. Some people worried about, you know, we got some injuries. We need to replace some depth and the, with the DBs, corners, and the safeties. But going in, you know, take it one game at a time, and it ended up working out amazing. Now, I think you did, or, or at least not, if not all of them, at least most of them, but did you go to every single game this year? I thought, I, I thought following you, like, on Instagram and stuff, I thought I had seen you at most of the road games. I know we saw you in Charlotte. So did you hit every game the whole year? That was the original plan. Some personal things came up for the Missouri game where okay. uh, Blooper and uh, Jock Peterson from the Braves were there. So I couldn't make it to the Missouri game. So I passed my ticket on to another Spike Squad member. And Tennessee was the only game that I did not get awarded from the athletic the ticket office as a student. So I thought about going that next weekend to Tennessee but my dad was in Florida and I didn't really, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to stay in Athens and watch a game in Athens and you know, experience that a little bit since I've been in every stadium this entire year, you know, going Nashville, Auburn, Charlotte, Jacksonville, George, Atlanta for Georgia Tech, you know, so that, that 12 game regular season, it was nuts because every Saturday it was like, I where we got to make plans for this week. Where are we going? Set up the hotel, set up how I'm driving there, who I'm going with. And, it was a blessing, man, to be able to follow the dogs for uh, 10 of the 12 regular season games. When the season was over, the dogs were national champs. And after you kind of took that in and exhaled a little bit, were you tired? Because that was – I was tired. Like, we talked about – we had done the show all year, and then we had traveled a bunch to different games. And I remember thinking, like, late January, like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> like, that was exhausting. <laughs> oh, as a student, it was, it was nuts because – you know, you got your five days of classes all week and then you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to get through all this work to be able to get to Saturday where I don't have to do anything. And so each week it's a grind till Friday. And then you go have your fun in Sanford on Saturday and you do that 12 times over. And then you get a, or 13 times over with the SEC championship. Then you get a little break but your break has two football games thrown in there with the Orange Bowl and the national championship. And yep. then you, you, we came back that Saturday and we had the national championship celebration in Sanford. And so there wasn't a break from September, whatever the date was, to that second weekend in January. And so after that, it was like, finally, a time to like, like rejoice over the season but just to take like a breather because following the dogs, like there's nothing better than it, but it, it takes a toll like health wise on you. Like I, there are times in the middle of the week I'm nursing a little cough or a little cold and I'm like, 
got to get that out for Saturday. Got to be right for Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I empathize with that completely because that, that's kind of how I felt. We were, you know, during the season, we do two to three shows a week in season and like doing those, setting up all the logistics. And then same with you, like arranging travel for the road games we would go to or whatever. It was, I just remember thinking that like late January, February, going, man, this is kind of nice just to have a little breather and <laughs> recoup a little bit. Um, all right. T- tell us this. What does a game day look like for a member of the spike squad? So this year, for example, we might've had four noon games or something, which we can bark about that in other realms, but <laughs> no, we got a couple of noon games. So for us, gates open at Sanford two hours before kickoff. So they'll open at 10 a.m. for a noon game. We have a rule that we have to be at the gates two hours before the gates open. So four hours before kickoff. So if it's a noon game, we're getting there at 8 a.m., hanging out, you know, fellowshipping with all of our Spike Squad members, you know, taking turns running back to Tate to get Chick-fil-A or going to Bolton to get breakfast or whatever. And so that's a typical noon game. We had way too many of those this year. And that, like, it's not fun when you're going to bed at about midnight on a Friday night after hanging out with your Spike Squad members and then you're waking up at 7.30, throwing your pads on and heading down to the stadium. Um, a couple of – some of the games this year, you know, we uh, – Kentucky – SEC Nation was in town. College yep. game day was in town. We had to be at the gate. I think it was a 3.30 kick, so gate time would have been 11.30 a.m., and the morning shows don't end until noon. So we split up the squad in three different groups. One group went to SEC Nation, which I was a part of. One group went to college game day, and one group went to the gate at 11.30. And when the people from the morning shows came to the gate, the people who were at the gate got a chance to go get food, and we split it up. Uh, Arkansas, we had that was a noon kickoff and we had game day there. So we had to have two groups. And I think we split it up into four groups and did some running back and forth from game day to the gate, making sure everyone can get to the stadium in time for kickoff, but still have game day there. And when they moved their morning show to the, uh, to inside on the end zone right there, that's how that works. But, um, Let's see, what was the other uh, – a night game against South Carolina. Yep. That's hopefully what it's going to be this year, more, more than likely, where you've got a seven kickoff. That means you're getting in the stadium around 3 o'clock or you're getting at the stadium around 3 o'clock. So, in those mornings, we had one of those this year. You woke up pretty early in the morning, went to get breakfast with your friends, hung out, watched a few games, and went on to the gate. So, we got to see you a couple times this year. We saw you in Atlanta. At the title game, when you guys were at game day, we, we came over and we got to see you and hang out with you for a little bit. And we saw you again in Indy when it was negative 7,000 degrees. I thought we were all going to freeze half to death. <laughs> yeah. um, but of all the memories that you have from the year, what is your favorite moment from following the dogs this year and being part of the Spike Squad? Well, Actually, this morning, I was looking back through some photos because I do that occasionally, and I found some other photos on a website that I had not seen before, so I went and saved those on my phone. But I was looking back through the photos from the season because I'm always like, okay, like I want to you know, reminisce on the season. And I think I said it in something one time where you know, being able to go with my parents and stuff. And so I saw a photo that my mom took of me and my dad after the national championship game, they were upper level 600 nosebleed seats. And so they came down to us in the student section after the game. 
and there's a photo of me and my dad and I played the live photo on my phone and I'm like, let's go or something like that. And my mom's right there. My dad's right there. We're taking photos and just being able to experience a national championship, which my dad saw 1980. I wasn't fortunate enough to see 1980, but my dad saw it and being able to experience it with my parents and know that like these two people will do whatever in their power to let me go to 13, 14 games, being driving me to Indianapolis and back mom taking off work, me taking off the first day of class for the national championship. Like those memories with like your family is something that I'll never forget. And I think those like, that's probably one of my favorite moments of the season. Yeah. I think that is the beautiful thing about following a team. And we've talked about this with some of our previous guests, but there's obviously beauty in your team winning and celebrating that. But I think the bigger piece of it is the experience you get to have with your loved ones. Like my brother and I traveled to a bunch of games this year. And I mean, we have for 20 years, right. And to be an indie with him that night and get to share that. I mean, it, you know, one of those memories we'll take with us forever. And we got so many pictures together that weekend that are, that are fantastic. So, and Hey, we got to meet your mom and daddy that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. We met out in a negative 7,000 degree weather out there right in front of that, uh, fan fest. Man, we, it was, it was just the frozen tundra out there. Like I, I can't wait to see them when it's a warmer client climate so we can spend some more time with them. And chat. we were all so cold. Was, Everybody was yeah, trying to we get, like, inside. Let's get inside. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, um, I want to do the smart 16 with you, which we do with all of our interview guests. So I want to hear your answers so we can kind of, learn a little bit more of your story. So question number one is what's your middle name? It's Elam. E-L-A-M. Is that a family name? It is not. It actually is a Native American name that my dad had picked out. It was apparently going to be my first name and it means of the mountains or of the highlands. And so I was born in the mountains of Western North Carolina. And so they picked that as my middle name. Another fun fact, I wasn't named Hunter for three days, so I was no-name street baby for three days because they, <laughs> they couldn't pick out a name. And so they took three days to pick out the name. And so my middle name they had picked out before I was born, and they had known that, but my first name wasn't picked out until three days after I was born. Oh, boy, I love that. Hey, they were just being intentional about it, brother. That's a good thing. <laughs> yes, all right, second question. Who is your favorite dog of all time? Oh, this one's tough. They asked me, I think they asked me this in the Spike Squad interview, one of the questions, you know, favorite dog of all time. And, you know, everyone's going to say the most basic answers. And there's nothing wrong with that if you have memories of it. But one guy who I followed that I had a connection with, because he was from North Carolina when I was growing up, was tied in Jeb Blazevich. He was from Charlotte. And I remember when he came on the scene, I was like, oh, this guy's from North Carolina. I'm from North Carolina. That's so cool. And so... I followed him. He won, I think, academic or that all-state academic award thing one time. And I was like, this guy plays hard every play. He doesn't, he's kind of like me. He didn't get in a lot, and I didn't get in a lot when I played sports in high school. But he, he played hard every chance he got in, and I saw that, and I was like, I like this guy. Oh, I love that. Okay, what is your favorite dogs game you've ever consumed? So whether that be on TV or in the stadium. Oh, this one, this one's going to be tough because I was fortunate enough to be at Notre Dame in 2019. 
I was fortunate enough to um, be at some Clemson Georgia games before this year. I've been in North Carolina game, but honestly, it has to be the national championship. Like, yeah, there there hasn't been a bigger game that I've ever been to in my life across sports. And being in that moment, I remember looking back at photos on the AD touchdown. There's a photo of me hands up before he's even crossing the goal line. I'm like, that's a touchdown. Okay. What is your favorite rivalry that the dogs have? I've listened to this a lot and I know, and we talk about it all the time on spike squad of who we don't like a lot and who's our bigger rivals and stuff. And for me, it's Auburn. I can't stand Auburn. I think the Deep South Falls rivalry played the longest amount of years. Like that rivalry, there's so much more like bitterness in that rivalry because of what's happened in the past couple of years. Like a good almost by an Auburn player, the terrible Hail Mary tip ball in Jordan Hare. But um, yeah. It's got to be Auburn. I do not like Auburn. I mean, I don't like all our rivals, but I really don't like Auburn. Yeah, it, it has been shocking to us how prevalent that answer has been. And I'll be honest, it has sort of shifted my lens a little bit around the rivalries because, I mean, you know, because you listen, but I, I love Cocktail Party Weekend. It's just, it's an event, which I love. And I just hate Florida so much. I think so much is because you have wounds from like the nineties and the early two thousands when it was, wasn't much of a rivalry if you were a Georgia fan. Um, So it's been incredible this past decade to kind of see that meter even out and to stick it to them a little bit, especially during Kirby's tenure. So it's been fantastic, but I do think there's an added level of vitriol to the deep South Souls rivalry. And I do think some of that, and look, I love the neutral site game in Jacksonville. I think I'm probably in the minority on that, but I think there's something to playing home and home, right? Like being on each other's campuses and dealing with each, the home stadiums, all those things. It's just, it's more adverse, I think, than being in a neutral site stadium where it's split 50, 50. So yeah, well, I love that. That's, that, that's my thing. Cause I think, you know, I'm not a big fan of the neutral site, but I understand why it's there. I, I went to my first Florida game this year. I loved it. I understand why it's there now. But personally, from everyone I've talked to, even members on Spice Squad, like when I drove down to Auburn, I drove down Saturday morning and seeing all the Georgia flags going down, but almost mm-hmm. seeing just as many Auburn flags going down 85 from Georgia. So South Alabama and South Georgia, you know, Auburn – Georgia, they're mixed fans in different states, you know, house divided families. I really think that it's something that people don't think about unless like you're from down here and you see it because, you know, everyone sees the hoopla, the cocktail party on TV. But heck, I, when I went down to Auburn, there's like a handful of Spice Squad members who we all went down to Auburn. They had, they're from Georgia and they had friends who go to Auburn. Yep. So it's definitely something like that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of validity to that. I think it's a lot of folks that a lot of kids they went to high school with or even family members that went to Auburn or vice versa, right? And, and so I think that does increase the animosity and the bragging rights of all that. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. Okay, what is your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern Conference? Ooh, see, because this is my first year I've been able to hit some, and I've got a little hashtag going on on my post of trying to hit all 13 other SEC stadiums um let's see where'd i go i went to vandy this year i went to auburn um 
I think that's the only two true away games I've been to this year. So out of Vandy and Auburn, like Auburn is beautiful, but it's Clemson with a lake. So it's Clemson <laughs> without a lake, I might say. And that's yeah. always the joke. If I'm talking to Auburn fans, it's, oh, it's Clemson without a lake. If I'm talking to Clemson fans, oh, you're just Auburn with a lake. But um, I, I really like Nashville. I really like Vandy Stadium. It's quaint. It fits their persona, which, yep. you know, that's, that's kind of mean to say. But, like, when I went when we went there, it's noon kickoff. Like, there's not that many people there. The Georgia fans are still traveling, but they're not getting there when gates open. We got there when gates open because I wanted to see it. And it was a fun little stadium to go to. And I think I think it fits the university very well. And ask me in ten years when I've been to all thirteen, I'll definitely change my answer. But right now, I think Vandy Vandy was fun to go to. Like you got to move around. It wasn't this extremely large like Coliseum type stadium. Like it was, you know, let's play football, and that's what it was about. And you're close up to the action. You're seeing the touchdowns like fifteen feet in front of you, and you don't have a lot of sideline space it's like a big high school stadium is what it was and i it kind of took you back yeah that's a good way to phrase it we went to the opener uh in 2019 in nashville and you know look nashville is just an a-plus town right so it's an incredible place to go road trip to for like a road trip weekend and i think your point's taken it's it's a comfortable stadium to watch a game in there's no bad sight lines you can see the game it's not I don't think it's an experience where you're losing out on something by not watching it on TV. And I do think there are stadiums that you go to where depending where you sit, you might as well just watch it on TV. Cause it's just not a good sight line. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to Tennessee in 2015. Yeah. 25. It was the Nick Chubb ACL game. And we were in the kind of UGA fans and family section kind of down in that corner. So the injury happened right in front of us. And maybe it was because we were on the lower bowl, but, that stadium was not as loud as I thought it was going to be when we went. My expectation was that it was going to be like deafening. I mean, it's a monstrosity. Don't get me wrong, but I, I wasn't overwhelmed with the noise. So, and I, I have, I did hear some people say this year that this was the first time Tennessee felt like Tennessee in a long time. So maybe that's a piece of it. So we'll have, probably have to revisit that one. You know, I've heard a lot of people say Lexington's a fun trip. Go to Kroger Field and and go see him play Kentucky. I've heard it's good. We are going to try to make this year our road trip to go to Starkville and see see the Mississippi State game. So that's that is our on my bucket list. Yeah, I, I think that's our road pilgrimage this year. My brother has been to the Grove for for an Ole Miss game, and he said that was outstanding. So that's on the list too. But it's it'll be different. I'm really interested to see how it's going to be once Texas and OU join. And I, I'm everything everybody's saying is that they're going to split it down. So you will get to have the opportunity to go to more stadiums, I think. Whereas now, what, you go to College Station once every 12 years or something? So that'll be different. And I think that's cool because, to your point, for like you and for us, we want to see all the different stadiums. And I would much rather go there to see the dogs play than just go to go. So I think that'll be better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm definitely trying to hit Starkville and Lexington this year. I mean, I'm trying to hit all 12. Yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. All right. Of of the games you have attended between the hedges at Sanford Stadium, what is the loudest one you've ever been a part of? I think it's Notre Dame by a smidgen over Arkansas. I have to go back and check Holly Rose's tweet. I have to go back and check my video of the, uh, Notre, of the scoreboard there in Notre Dame and see what they said the decibel levels were because Notre Dame, I was – 
diagonally across the student section. And that last um, incomplete pass play, that was loud. That's the loudest I've ever heard a stadium. But then Arkansas on the two false starts might have been because I was front row of the student section, and the student section is definitely louder than the general fan base. But it, it is – that's a one-two tight that of the games I've been in Sanford. Those are definitely up there with the top two. And the decibel, like Holly Rose tweet, when that came out, we were going crazy how loud that was that we had broke the wide out in Penn State like two weeks yeah. before. And I was thinking back to Notre Dame, I was like, like this feels like Notre Dame right now. And this is a noon kickoff against Arkansas. Like this game wasn't hyped up until two weeks beforehand, really. And Notre Dame was hyped up for two years. Yeah, even on we were I had to watch that game on TV and even on TV it sounded loud. So when she did her sideline hit and said that, that it was louder than it had been when they were at the whiteout, I went, wow. Like, because, you know, you can kind of hear on TV how loud it is, but for her to say that and just to see it in action on the field with them having the false starts and stuff, it was really cool. And I really do think in general, this was the best home season environment that Georgia's had in a long, long time. I mean, longer than I can remember, to be honest with you. Maybe in the early 2000s, I can remember it being that raucous every weekend. But Sanford was imposing all year long. I mean, it was awesome. Okay, you get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia Theater. Who do you choose? I think you know where I'm going to go with this one. And my dad's been talking to his dad and his uncle about it. My boy, Ray Fulcher, needs to come down to the Georgia theater while I'm in Athens. There's a crazy story behind this. And I'll try to keep it brief, but I listened to dirt for a year, year and a half, maybe had no clue who this guy was. I just liked this song on my Spotify. It came up randomly one day. And so my dad shares something on Facebook about this guy. I'm like, wait a second. I recognize his name. I'm like, dad, who's this? And he tells me the story, how he's from Harlem. My dad, from Harlem went to school with his dad and his uncle and I was like no way and so after that I've probably become one of the biggest Ray Fulcher fans I'm in the group on Facebook I'm following him on everything like my dad talked to like I met um his uncle at a Harlem baseball game was it last year during the playoffs like being able to like kind of not know who this guy was just some random artist on my playlist to that I have a connection with him and that I have a deeper connection that he went to school here and I go to school here. And I mean, heck when he was at SEC nation and I was there, I, you know, it was just another Saturday. I was like, Oh, Ray's going to be here. This is sick. And I like tried to call my dad. I think that morning or something, he didn't answer. I was like, I, I texted him. He better be here. And I think like, after I texted him, it was during the fine bombs or the Marty McGee or whoever beforehand in the morning. And then yeah. I text him. I turn around in front of the special collections library. And by God, here comes my dad walking up to me. And I'm like, no way. No way. He came down here for this. It was also open to that hunting season. So he can go on hunting. But he came down here for this. <laughs> and so you could see on the Marty and McGee broadcast, I'm in the little, they got a section for us with SEC Nation. And my dad's right behind me. And I'm probably the only student at UGA who's singing this song loud and clear. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah, Ray's, Ray's one of our favorites, obviously. He's uh, and just salt-of-the-earth guy. And so, like, one of those people that 
any success that he has and achieves, you just feel great about it. And I, I would love, 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 love that if he got to come back to Georgia Theater, headline it, and play it. Um, I am what a full circle moment that would be for him too, right? Like he's played it before, but it would be neat for him to come back and it was his show, right? And yeah, man, exactly. I just think it'd be awesome. And I think he's going to have a big year. He's got some big things coming up, and I think it's going to be a transcendent type year for him. And so, yeah, he's uh, re-released one of his old singles, um, Anything Like You Dance. And I love that that's getting mm-hmm. some more shine. And he's just got a lot of great music and obviously has written a lot of great music. So, yeah. And boy, he loves the dogs. So that's another oh, check yeah. mark for him, too. So, yeah, we love that answer. Okay. What is the cocktail that you're mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? Uh, see, I'm not... I don't know much about it. I know it's kind of shocking for someone in Athens, but like, I, I don't really know too much about mixed drinks or anything like that. Like, I mean, I, I'm 22, so legal, but I don't really know much about mixed drinks. Like I'm a, I'm a pretty like chill guy. Go have a beer and play 18 holes of golf, go have a beer, watch a game. Like that's about it. Um, I mean, if I guess I had to pick one like a Jack and Coke or something, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of new to this game. So we've had we've had a lot of guests who don't drink at all. So their picks have been non-alcoholic completely. And then we've had others who said, you know, I like don't drink liquor really. So I, you know, I'm just having beers or something like that. I think that I'm trying to think who told us. Somebody told us they're like, well, I can only drink beer at the cocktail party because otherwise I won't make it to the game. <laughs> Which that's valid. So I think, um, I think I'm trying to think who, so coach Rick told us that he would have his wife remix the mix that she made for the 07 cocktail party game for the Gatorades, which I love. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah, an outstanding that was a answer. Great one. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. It's funny. Boss and I've talked about this. We need to do an episode where he and I answer the questions because some of these, I don't know exactly what my answer would be. And I don't, think I know what his answers would be. So it'd be kind of a fun exercise to flesh it out and do it. Um, but yeah, man, every time I go to the cocktail party, if I was drinking mixed drinks, it would just be a short day. Cause <laughs> I just couldn't do it, man. Like I need the, as light a beer as possible so that I can make it through that marathon of a day. Okay. Well, yeah, this that's is one thing, I'm like, I'm always interested in this because you're there way more than I, am. but if you were if you had left Athens, like you go off to work or whatever, you're not living there anymore, and you were back in town for one day and only got one meal, what place would you go and eat in Athens? Oh, man. I've been, especially this year, being with all my friends and like who've been here a couple of years, especially the seniors who've been here four years, they've been showing me around all the time. Like when my parents came down, we did the, um, we tried to hit a trifecta, but we didn't. But we went to Cali and Tito's, and then we went to um, Mama's Boy for breakfast. And I'm going to be honest, there ain't nothing better than Mama's Boy. I don't care what time of day it is. Like, I don't know how many times I've been there, but it is. it will fill you up, and it is just so good. And I know I've t- you've seen my go-to, the peach French toast, to die for. It is. It is I've never had, had any French toast better than that. Yeah. The problem for me when I go there is I'm so aggressive with what I order because I just want all of it. And 
I end up just having plates of food when we go. The last couple of times we've ordered to go because like it was a game weekend. So we wanted to eat it, but we also wanted to like get around and do things for game day activities and stuff. So we've gotten it to go. And the amount of styrofoam boxes, like takeout boxes that we walked out of there with was just aggressive for the amount of people who were actually eating. <laughs> so yeah, that's a really, really good one. Their stuff is out of bounds, man. Such, such good food. Okay. Do you have any game day superstitions? Well, this past year, after um, I started painting up, I, uh, I always like try to match my teddy bears, as my mama said. So if I'm, you know, wearing red and black, I had to go with a pair of red underwear. And so that got a little <laughs> bit of black paint on it. And it got a little bit of black paint when we paint our bellies. It got a little bit on the edge right there. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep wearing it. See what happens. And I kept wearing it. I kept wearing it. I'm like, are they dirty this week? I got to wash them before Friday. And I kept wearing it. And I warmed it. Every single football game, every game day, every, like, every time we were painted up, I wore them. And, I mean, it worked out. Well, now, now you're stuck because they won national championships. So you're locked in now, brother. You can't, you can't switch up the routine this year. You got to stay on that, on that path. No, it's going to, it's going to keep going. I wore, I warmed during G day last week. Like, <laughs> it's going to keep going. Oh, I love that. All right. What is your favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition? Uh, let's see. Personally, I remember the first time. I heard the lone trumpeter and you got the chills yep. and then everyone just went crazy. And then going into Larry Munson monologue, I mean, I don't think there's anything better. When we're in Notre Dame. It was up behind me. So you got to look behind you. And then when you're in the student section, it's across the stadium from you and just hearing it like echo across, like it's crazy how 93,000 people know when to go silent for five seconds Yep. to let it linger across Athens. And then the crowd just erupts, and we listen to Larry go on. And then I, I, I think that's the best. I really do. Yeah, that would 100% be my answer. I just, to your point, it's just chills every time. It doesn't matter how many times I've heard it. It just always gives me chills. It kind of sets the stage for that. And to have them come out shortly after that and the place just erupt, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the best. Okay, black jerseys, yes or no? Yes, most definitely yes. Yeah, we're, we're on that train, too. They look so fresh. All right, this is a tough one. What is the loss you're still not over? Uh, I mean, if it wasn't for this loss against Bama this season, I don't think we would have won. So, like, in the moment, kind of mad about it. Looking back, I could care less what happened in that game. Like, yeah, it's still going to have a little bit of hurt, but the excitement of that doesn't really matter. I think – Honestly, it has to be – I think it was my second game. We go to Clemson. I think it's – twenty. yeah, 2013, we go to Clemson in Death Valley. It's um, Deshaun and – who was – I think Murray was quarterback. Yeah, was like yeah Gurley, that's right. Gurley's sophomore year, Keith Marshall's sophomore year. And, like, that's 50 minutes from my house. So, my mom was a Clemson fan growing up. My dad's a Georgia fan, so we went to that game, you know. Sat 50-yard line away side watching that going back and forth and we lose by three and you know when you're a little kid you know 13 years old you're like man that hurts and you know you always think about that and that's probably one of them that like really stings 
But I don't think one stings more like that stung. But the one that stings the most, 2012 SEC championship game. I remember yeah. watching that on TV. I remember just falling to my knees on the floor in our little man cave. Like, why? Like, why'd you get the ball in that scenario? Like, I know it's instinct, and that that one hurt. Yeah, that that one still stings, man. I that that was a tough one. That is definitely in my top three for sure because I I think everybody has played out what that would have looked like if they had won, and they would have walked the dog on that Notre Dame team that year and would have been national champs. But a lot of people have brought up, you know, the I guess domino effect that that had them losing that game and kind of the path it put it on. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. So uh, I feel good about where we are now. So that's a good thing, too. Okay, what is your order, or how do you order your hash browns at the Waffle House? Just hand them to me, full plate, nothing special. However they come, they come. I let I let the waitress. There's a uh, – the one on Macon Highway, there's a waitress down there. And uh, what is her name? We go there, like, every Saturday morning if it's not at 8 a.m. And we try to all get in there and get breakfast. It was like a 3.30 kickoff or something. We went there, the one of the first – uh, I think it was before UAB. That was a 3.30 kickoff for South Carolina. We went there. And I'm just like, hey, bring them out how you want to bring them out. I love it. Dealer's Choice Waffle House hash browns. I like that. Yeah. You're just, just leaving it in the hands of fate to see what you get. Yeah, and see what I get. You know, you try different things. And, I mean, every time I go to Waffle House, like, I'll, depending on what time of day it is, but if it's breakfast time, I'll usually get the same thing, get the All-Star Special no yeah. hash browns, eggs scrambled. Um, usually get bacon, and the price is always different. <laughs> and That's like, correct. And I don't care. It, it's the beauty of going there. That Waffle House, like when we went before, I think we went before UAB or South Carolina, one of those two games. And there's like seventeen to twenty something of us Spice Squad people in there, and we're like, uh, we're groggy and we're tired. We got to get up for this game. And we all get in there. And it's just, we're having a fun time at eight o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, man. I mean, that place is not short on energy. It's always just electric. I, I, uh, we love us a Waffle House. That is a game day weekend must for us. We usually try to hit it the Sunday after to kind of sop up some of the bad decisions from the day before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. There ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs. Yes or no. Before this year, I would have said, yes, get them out of here is the worst thing. But after seeing some of the games this year, I'm not 100% against it. Like, I still hate them. Like, that is the stupidest thing ever. Like, why in the world is the number one team in the country playing on a noon kickoff? Don't ask me why. But after that Arkansas game, I I wasn't too opposed to it. Like, personally – I want every time Georgia to play Vandy in Nashville to be a noon kickoff so I can get down Broadway and make my weekend <laughs> worth it. But if I'm yeah. in Athens, like night games and we didn't, we got one night game in Athens and it was South Carolina. There's no reason like the Arkansas or Kentucky or like definitely this upcoming year, Tennessee better be a night game in Athens. Yep. Like we, we got, I feel like we got a little screwed by the TV schedule this year, which was fine because, Dog Nation showed out every weekend, 93,000 packed in there at noon, but it definitely, it definitely would make a difference. So I'm probably about 95% on that train now. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I do think uh, location matters because I'm all about what you said about Bandy. That should always be a noon kick. 
just so you can get out and enjoy Nashville. Because the the opener we went to, I think it was seven thirty kick that night. It's like we didn't get out of the stadium until ten thirty or something, which is fine. I mean, it's not like Van, it's not like Nashville's closed down or anything. But you know, you're kind of tired from tailgating all day and all that stuff. So it's not like you're burning the town down afterwards. So yeah, I, I take well, that. That's a good point. Well, it's like when we went up there, went to the game, went to the hotel, took a quick nap. Went down Broadway till 2, 3 a.m., whatever time it was. And it was a full day, and you got a little power nap in between. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, last question. College football playoff expand to either 8 or 12, whichever direction they're going, or find how it is. See, there are some years where I feel like 8 is too much before it's not enough. And I am fully on board or I'm fully against the idea of having buys in this playoff system. I don't care what playoff it is. Like I'm not a big uh, NFL or NBA fan. And like, I watched their playoff system this year, you know, whatever. But like, I like it like that COVID year in MLB where it was one versus eight and no one got an advantage with the buy. I, I like it where it's set up evenly, where everyone has to play the same amount of games and go through the same amount of series. So if I'm on it, it's got to be four or it's got to be eight. And I feel like eight's just too much in most of the past couple of years where there's only been, you know, maybe five teams. And if when we were that fifth team, yeah, it sucks. Like, yeah, we should have been in there, but should have six, seven, and eight been in there? Probably not, but we should have. And that's where, you know, getting on that slippery slope. Yeah, I, I agree with that. My, my opinion has changed on this. I used to be very, very much for the expansion of the playoff just because I thought it would be a cool ecosystem. But I'm also sensitive to the fact that college football has a very unique regular season. And I even think the conference championships, whatever the debate can be on those has become part of that experience. You know, like one of my brother and I's favorite weekends every year is SEC title weekend. I mean, obviously when the dogs are in it, but it's a week, we don't ever miss it because it's an event. I mean, it's a whole thing and it's awesome. And I'm not saying to lose that and to have a first round game on campus in in Athens wouldn't be incredible because it would. I mean, could you imagine how electric it would be to have a one versus eight or two versus seven home playoff game? It'd be incredible. But, you know, then you start getting into, is it any different? And so I do think there's some merit to <clears throat> keeping it where it is. And I, I think that's cool too. So I'm with you. It's a tough question. I think it's, I'm kind of glad they kicked the can a little bit on what they're going to end up doing. So, well, I don't think you're ever going to get it right. And I really don't think it's, there's not a correct answer to it because when you have 130 teams vying for a spot and probably 65 to 70 of those teams really have a real realistic chance to get in. And I think that sometimes that, you know, that six, seven and eight team, it's, you don't deserve to be in. You might have two losses. And if you have two losses, like, I don't care if your losses are to one or two, you know, it's the beauty of the regular season. And if you can get through that regular season going, you know, 12 and 0, 11 and 1, like, that's your shot in there. So I think, I think this year really showed that four is a really good number. And I think it proved it again. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, brother. All right, man. You're off the hot seat. You answered the whole smart 16. So before we let you go, tell everybody where they can find you on social so they can go follow you and also give us those UGA Spike Squad handles too so everybody can follow there as well. Yeah, so my personal Instagram is street underscore hunter three. Follow, um, that's on Instagram. That's on Twitter. 
uh, at UGA Spy Squad on uh, Instagram and Twitter, UGA Spy Squad Facebook page. Like, follow all of us. We know a lot of y'all already do, and we appreciate the love. We're just trying to keep growing it more and more and more. Um, and yeah, keep up with the Spy Squad, man. Like, we are, we're trying to, like, we like our little home knit little family, but we're trying we're trying to spread the love across Dog Nation, and we love getting the DMs, the messages, like hearing all the support y'all are giving us. And you know, I, I want to take this moment to like, if any of the followers on Saturday in Athens donated to us for sending us to the national championship, like from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much because there's no way we could have done it without you. And you ask any of the members who were there, it was a dream come true for all 20 whatever members who went. And we really appreciate Dog Nation. And we're feeling the love and we're going to ride back to y'all because if y'all can't make it to Athens, we'll be front row cheering loud for y'all. All right. We are going to link Hunter's handles in our show notes. We're also going to link the handles for Spike Squad in the show notes. Be sure and support Hunter. Be sure and support the Spike Squad. Hunter is a damn good dog, and the Spike Squad is just the best. I think they should get as much credit as possible for how electric the home environment was at Sanford this year and leading that charge. So definitely an organization we're behind and we support. And, uh, Hunter, man, we appreciate you spending the time with us. And as we always close our show, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs, sick them. Hey, George is better now.